Successful people learn how to make their mind work for them. I'm David Nagel, and this is the Successful Mind Podcast. what you do. There's no question about it. When I started, when I started my journey in, in my career, I was one of 250 people that bought the first facilitation package that was offered by Proctor. I think it was 14,000, something like that. Anyway, um, it was, uh, it was three or four days, uh, that we were in a training all 250 of us. And part of that training consisted of everybody kind of getting up and talking about their dream a little bit. Just give a few sets. Like, what are you going to do? Where are you going to go? This type thing. People were buying hope. A lot of them were buying hope. A lot of people were buying what they thought was um, a a sure strategy for success. And at the very best, all it was that they were buying was an opportunity. Here was an opportunity that was already packaged for you, that if you took it and you, you, you really learned it and you learned the business, you could do something amazing with it. You could have an, an extraordinary life. And, I, you know, all the years that I studied with him and, when, and, and Tony Robbins, too, one of the things that they would always talk about was the extraordinary life that they have been able to live because of what they learned and because of what they did. And um, I traveled around a bit, uh, well, personally with Bob, but a a lot of different things that I went to with Tony. And it was true. It was 100% true. There was no question about it. They lived extraordinary compared to the way most people did. And people would want that. They'd want to live the extraordinary life. But it became very apparent that they did not want to do what these two men did to live an extraordinary life. And, of course, I did not know this at the time. I'm just as scared as anybody else in that room. I'm just as hopeful as anybody else in that room. Um, I did recognize right off the bat that I was taking it a little bit more seriously than most of the people there because – there was this kind of attitude in the air because uh, these were really, really long days that we were in there um, learning how to learning how to do this. And after the when the day was when the day was over, like everybody was running to the pool. We were in, we were in uh, Florida, and everybody was running to the pool. Pool. Everybody was running to um, the hot tub. Everybody wanted to go have a glass of wine. And I was going up to my room to make sales calls because I already booked my first seminar. And I didn't have, I didn't have time. I mean, as, as nice as it would have been to go grab a glass of wine and hang out with everybody in the hot tub, it was like, I'm going to grab a bite to eat and I need to, and I need to, to, to work. You know, I, I need to make some phone calls here. Now, it wasn't like I was up all night making calls. But I was making I was making calls for a couple hours every single night, um, and sometimes like on the lunch break also. So 
you know, I wasn't judging anybody or anything. I was just kind of noticing at the time. Well, that year, I was putting more people in seminars than anybody that had ever worked for Proctor before. I didn't know that. I had, I had no idea what I was doing. So he called me and he asked me, he, t- he said, listen, the, the facilitators are having trouble. Um, they're having trouble filling rooms. Would you come to Toronto and I'll put them all in a thing for a weekend and you could teach them what you're doing and I'll teach them some stuff and we'll have some other people teach them some stuff. And I was like, yeah, I, you know, I'd be honored to do it. Like I was, I was riding high, man. Like my mentor's calling me to actually help. Like this is like a dream come true for me, you know? So uh, I go up there and to my shock, about 80% of them had already quit. It, at least 80% of them didn't show up out of the 250. I was floored. I was really floored. I was like, where the hell is everybody? Well, you know, we're just going to, we're going to do what we have. We don't want to spend any more money. Uh, we're just going to do the thing that we've got now. We've been listening to the trainings that are on the phone because we would have a training call once a month. But I mean, it was kind of like, you know, and part of it, to the, to the truth was, was that the Proctor's organization really didn't know what they were doing yet. This was the first time they had ever done it. But that doesn't really matter because I believe, I mean, there's people that have taken Think and Grow Rich and they've gone out to build billion-dollar companies just by reading the freaking book. I mean, it's all about who is in charge. You know, what are you going to do with the information that you have? You're never going to have all of the information. Nobody can ever package your experience and how you shift and change during the, you have, you, there's still, there's your responsibility here, right? So um, I was astounded that people were kind of like, I've made an investment to this far, but I'm not going to make any further, I'm not going any further with, with the investment. So I was like, oh, whatever. But I was, I was floored. I mean, because if, if this guy told me to jump off a building back then, I would have probably jumped off a building, like seriously, because I was so invested because everything that he told me worked, but it, it worked because I did it. But then when I heard people say, well, I did what he told me to do and it didn't work. I actually believed them in the beginning. And I'm like, well, why doesn't it work for them? It's working for me. I didn't really realize that they weren't doing it. I didn't realize how much people really bullshitted themselves at the time, because up until that point, you have to understand all my focus was on me. I was just working on me. I was not trying to help other people really. I was not, you know, I was not really convicted in that area. I was just trying to get my own life straight. So I started learning really fast about other people's behavior and how it was not necessarily like mine, nor did they take it, nor did they take it as serious. But anyway, as I start to, as I start to, to do this. I'll never forget the first conversation that I really had with myself, which, which was like one of those radical honesty conversations. It's like the Leland Val Vandewall quote, you know, how much truth can you see about yourself without running away? That's, that'll be the equivalent to your success. And the, the piece of truth that I was looking at for me that actually scared me, like I had real fear and insecurity around this was the idea that, there were no days off. And once you own a business, even if you're on vacation, you, I mean, you know it, right? There's no days off. You don't have a day off. You may have a day that you're not working, but not when you own a business because it's always there. You're responsible for everything, right? 
there's no days off. And when you're starting a business, there's definitely no days off because you have to bring that income in. You have to do everything. I mean, you're doing, you're, you're doing everything. Um, Unless you, unless you have a business that you're starting, that's getting massive funding. Right. But most people that bootstrap a business, which is most people, you're doing absolutely everything. So I'm having this conversation and I'm thinking, you know, you know, a hundred percent, if you're honest with yourself, there's days where you show up to work and you don't give it a hundred percent. You're tired or you're not feeling well, or you didn't sleep or the kids kept you up or there's a problem at home, you know, and you're just kind of skating through the day a little bit. You can't do that. If you have your own business, you can't skate. Like there's just no time. The ramifications are too huge. You take a week and don't make sales. You may not pay the bills that month. And then it's, you know, the thing is, is that, that behavior gains momentum. It's not that you may not have the money to pay the bills this month, but it's what you did not do that week is then going to start showing up in a month from now or two months from now, because there's this huge gap in your activity. So I thought to myself, okay, a couple things that I have to commit to myself with. Number one, I'm not going to stop there's not going to be a day where I don't do the things that are necessary. It's not going to happen. And the other thing was, was that if I was going to teach this, I had to make sure that I not only believed it, but I was doing it, which meant there is no excuse for not making any money. I'm sitting here telling people that the universe is abundant, that it's always here, that the law of polarity always works to actually then not be able to pay a bill or not make any money is like, I mean, how much of a fake are you going to be? You either believe it or you don't. And that means that it shows up in your behavior. So it's like, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing it. So it's going to be a hundred percent. Now, one of the things that I learned was this concept. I started challenging myself because I remember sitting down a couple of times. I don't know if I picked this up from somebody else along the way. I don't really remember picking it up along the way. But the idea was where I realized that sales was the was the foundation of everything. Nothing else that I needed to do in the business mattered if I wasn't making sales. That had to come first foremost every single day. And I could only work on other things in the business provided that the sales were 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 accounted for. So I started thinking like, what would be situations where it would be very easy to make an excuse? Like you'd find out that you couldn't sell. And I remember people saying, oh, you can't sell over the holidays and you can't sell during spring break. And uh, it's really tough to run a seminar right now because all the parents are trying to get the kids back in school in the fall. Like, you, you know, you, all the different reasons that people say, that people don't buy or why you can't do something. And so I was like, everything that I can think of that would be an excuse, I'm going to prove to myself that it's not an excuse. Like, I'm not going to say you can't sell. So I started thinking about, I need to be able to sell anywhere at any time, regardless of the circumstances. Meaning that it didn't matter what day it was. So I, I made it so that I made a sale every single day 
for like several years. It, like it, Christmas Day, I have, I have to make one sale on Christmas Day because I have to prove to myself that you can make a sale on Christmas Day. I have to make one sale on New Year's Eve, one sale on New Year's Day. Any of the holidays, right? There, it's not going to be an excuse. The other thing was, how could I tell if when, when I started having salespeople work for me, which was right off the bat, but then there was a little gap, and then I had I started hiring more salespeople. How could I tell them if I hadn't done it? How could I tell them when they came to me and said nobody can make a sale on on Christmas Day if I hadn't actually done it myself? Right? Like you can say it, but there's not a whole lot of integrity in it, you know. So then I started thinking, what are different scenarios that would be an excuse? Because here was one of the overarching general things that you would hear people in the industry say um, when it came to when it came to sales and marketing. A very common thing that people do when they get scared is they say, "Where am I going to find the people? Right? Where am I going to find the people?" And Proctor would say, "There's 350 million people in North America. You can't find 12 to buy something like." The hell's the matter with you? Like, what are you even thinking, right? But perception's reality in the mind of the perceiver. So the person that is all of a sudden the world is closing in on their head, they don't have anybody to call. Where am I going to find the people? What they're really telling you is I'm not willing to do it when it gets that difficult. I'm not willing to pick up the white pages and make phone calls, right? Today it's I'm not willing to reach out on social media and start conversations. Um, I'm not willing to go door to door. I'm not willing to just walk into any major city and find companies that would be a good fit for my product or service and walk in and have a conversation. This is what people were actually saying. So I thought, I'm going to, I am not all of those things I am going to do. And so it got to the point where I started like micro challenging myself. Could I sell someone in an elevator? Done, did that. Steph and I met in an elevator. That'll tell you right there. That's a true story. We met personally for the first time in an elevator. So the elevator pitch works. That's a testimonial to it. (laughs) Um, uh, Could I sell someone in a bathroom? Done. Did that. Could I sell a cop? Not only did I sell a cop, I sold a cop that pulled me over for a ticket. The whole idea of uh, the program that I had, Make Money Your Bitch, where you actually go out and ask people for money is a testament to you can get people to give you money and you can get them to give you money for nothing. It doesn't matter what it is. So that was even, that was a further challenge that came further down the road. Could I actually not sell a product or service, but actually have people hand me money and be happy about it no matter where I went? So I started, I started doing that. When you take your skill level to a place that is above and beyond anything anybody else is willing to challenge themselves to become good at, you become irreplaceable. You become irreplaceable because if we're going to talk about competition, your competition will fold like a cheap suit the second that it gets difficult. The second that it gets difficult, they will. That's why most people don't make any money because they're not willing to do those things. They only want to do it when it's convenient. And it doesn't matter how much you know this about bright, shiny object syndrome. Everybody is susceptible to it. I'm susceptible to it. And and here's all it is. When you're up against something that you're either having difficulty with, you have fear around, 
You may have shame around it. Anything that is 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 an, an emotion or a belief that's causing you to kind of not want to do something. If somebody presents the result of that to you, the result that you want, and packages it in a way where it removes the thing that you're resisting, bam, you're in. You're in. And you have to be very careful of that because when you buy from that perspective, what you're really saying is, I am not willing to face my fear or my insecurity or the thing that I don't want to do in order to be able to get the result. You cannot allow that in your consciousness. You can't allow it in your mind. Now, that does not mean that let's say you're marketing with some certain system or technology or whatever, and someone comes out with a better one that removes some of the problems with the first one. Do you, do you go to the second one? Probably. Yeah, probably. We make, we make those advancements. But you know when you're avoiding doing the thing uh, that, you have, that you need to do and that you're trying to find, you know, you're stalling, you're procrastinating, you're looking for a different solution so that you don't have to do something. Right? The, the, the key foundations of a person's business, the owner should seriously understand those things. You know, uh, you look at somebody like Richard Branson. I had somebody say to me one time, but Richard Branson doesn't do anything in those 300 company plus now that, that he owns. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? The guy is a master salesman. He's a master marketer. You know, he was the one that started the, uh, the, you know, he had the record shops in London. And then he was the one that arranged all the marketing and the advertising in the record shops. He was sold people on the street albums. Like, what are you even thinking? He doesn't have to do it now because he's built his skill set to a level where he has the skills of somebody that knows how to, number one, identify an opportunity. Number one, how to build. I mean, the guy started an airline from nothing. He never even worked for an airline before. How do you even do that, right? But he worked it through. So now he finds the best people on the planet and he can get the best people on the planet because of who he is. Most people that are starting a business, you're not going to get the best people on the planet to come work for you. You don't have anything to offer them yet. So it's a, it's a, you have to build up to it, but you can't ever forget you're the core of the belief of that business. You're the core of the production in that business when you first start. So you're responsible for building it to the place where other people actually want to come work for you. You're responsible for that. And if you're shirking what you have to do to make yourself that good, then you're always going to get mediocre people. I watch when people say they'll people will say to Steph and I all the time, like, how do you, how is it that how is it that your people aren't quitting every five minutes like ours are? How come you have such a well-oiled machine where you work? Because we put the best effort into what we do. You know. So many people hire and then they think, oh, that's it. I hired this person. I don't have to do anything anymore. Are you freaking kidding me? That's where the work starts. You know, in order, it first of all, the company wasn't always like it is today. And the reason was, was because I hadn't grown. Steph hadn't grown. I had wrong people in the wrong positions. I hired uh, not correctly because I didn't know. 
with every hire and fire we learned, it wasn't just hire and fire. It was, okay, why are we having this problem? Let's dive in. Let's find out why. Let's find out what's going on. What's wrong? What do we need to know? What do we need to learn? Let's get better at this. Let's get better at this. Let's get better at this. It's constantly learning because if we don't learn, the company won't grow. It'll stop where it is today if we don't learn anything new. And it's not, here's another problem, right? When it's time to learn something new, it's, it's, it isn't like you give up the things that you're currently doing. It's like you, it's, you keep doing what you're doing and you learn something new until you come proficient at it enough to where if the, you make the other thing obsolete, if that's even necessary, you know? But here's the challenge. The challenge is to start taking the things that you're doing and start making it more difficult. Not necessarily looking to, for it to be easy, because I'll tell you this, if you're, if you're still coming from the mindset where you're thinking to yourself, oh, when do I get to stop doing this? That's the wrong mindset. The mindset should be, how can I get better? How can I challenge myself in ways to do the things that I'm already doing and actually even get better at it? With your product or service, providing that you're in a place where people actually have a need or a desire for your service, there should be no place that you can't go where you where you sell somebody uh, your product or service. You don't need any marketing. You don't need any of that. You should be able to walk in and have a conversation with any person and get them to see the value enough to either sit down and have a conversation to buy, and even at a later date, or you sell them, you can actually sell them right on the spot. I have sold people that don't even speak my language, and I don't speak their language, and I have sold them. But see, if you don't ever try to do something like that, if your mind just says, well, I can't do that, we don't speak the same language, then you'll never do it. You'll never do it. You have to really think and you have to challenge yourself. Like if you want to be, if you want to be better at the end of this year, I mean really better, you have to really challenge yourself. And don't, don't hear this wrong because sometimes when I talk about something like this, a person will be like, I'm already doing everything that I can. I'm so exhausted. No, then you're, if that's, a, if that's the case, you're doing something wrong. This is not about exhausting yourself or making 10 times more work for yourself. It's about challenging yourself with the things that you're already doing to become great at it. I was the, the, about the only person that I've ever heard talk about this kind of the way that I'm talking about it was Jack White, the musician Jack White. He's a he's a fantastic musician and he's an amazing guitar player. And the one of the things that I've heard Jack White talk about over and over again was that he would with with playing the guitar, he's always looking for a way to make it more difficult. Like he'll play guitar with a bent neck. So he has to really struggle to make the tuning correct with his fingers. He has to adjust between all the different finger positions that he's doing. He'll play, like when he had the white stripes, he played on some guitar that you buy at freaking Walmart. You know, he didn't have like a $6,000 Fender or a Gibson or something. He he literally took and put the, put he put good pickups in it, but it was a cheap plastic guitar that you would buy a, a, a kid, like a little starter electric or something like that. And he toured the world, but he would consistently work on making it more difficult so that he could become better. 
Because if you're not constantly challenging yourself, you don't get better. Now, I know that other musicians do that all the time. I've just never heard them really talk about it the way that, that Jack talks about it. Uh, always push it, always making it more harder to reach the notes, hard, you know, different finger positions. Don't do it, not just making it easy, but constantly putting himself in a state of growth so that he gets better. So the idea is become good by challenging yourself to make it more difficult. Thanks for listening to the Successful Mind Podcast. And if you like what you heard and you want to know more, go to davidnagel.com forward slash free stuff.